Welcome to the Aaron Novello Podcast. Are you looking to master the art of real estate sales? Do you want to level up your business and lifestyle? You are in the right place. Aaron and his guests share winning real estate sales strategies and techniques and show you how to win the inner game that leads to financial freedom. Get ready. Here is your host, top producing real estate agent and coach to some of the top agents in the U.S. and internationally, Aaron Novello. Welcome back, Novello Nation, to another episode of the Aaron Novello Podcast. I have with us a real estate investor, wholesaler, flipper, extraordinaire, Mr. Adrian Rodriguez. I've had the good fortune of knowing Adrian for probably about four or five years. We bumped into each other because we both do uh, a lot of transactions. I appreciate you being here, brother. Thank you for taking the time. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. Absolutely, man. So, you know, I find very interesting that when we have a lot of conversations, me and you, uh, we notice that there's a lot of parallels, right, uh, with selling real estate in high volume and doing wholesaling and flipping in high volume. So I wanted to bring you to the platform because I think people can learn a lot from you. You know, when I think about you, I think about uh, kind of like a world class, you know, just kind of business person and a business mind. And you've been able to do some pretty awesome things in a short amount of time and at a relatively uh, young age. So I think we can get a lot of value. I wanted to begin this conversation first about um, how you gravitated towards real estate as your vehicle uh, to kind of, you know, accumulate wealth, right? Because I imagine you had a lot of opportunities at your disposal. What, what was it about real estate that caused you to say like, okay, like this is it? Well, um, I'll make it short and sweet. It's a great question. Um, but it is the industry that's made the most millionaires out of every other industry combined. Um, so that was, that was definitely a, um, that was step one. Um, I used to be a district manager for AT&T. Um, in my late teens, I started a trucking company. I had semi trucks and it was pretty successful. Um, it didn't last too long because I actually got a really attractive offer to sell the company. I did. I accumulated a, a good amount of money at a young age. And um, at the time, it was uh, late 2010, early 2011. And um, as you remember, the real estate market was rock bottom. So I live, in, I live in Wellington, Florida, and I was seeing townhouses that were selling just three years prior for $250,000, $300,000, and you can sell them for sixty dollars or $70,000. And I just kind of it was almost just common sense that those values would have to return at some point. And if I can get in at the right time and rent those properties out, not only will I yield a very nice return on that money um, that I have, but I would be able to also sweat some equity in the process. So it looked like a double play to me, which is exactly what it was. Um, so we kind of figured out, you know, real estate is going to be the, the next jump for me. Um, Nothing against AT&T. It was an awesome company to work for. I learned a lot of sales skills there, which translated into real estate as well. But um, real estate was just kind of like the big leagues for me. So we decided that we wanted to go after um, investment, you know, distressed properties, properties that we can get. We can buy cash. We can renovate ourselves. Um, and we did. We did. We bought our first townhouse in Royal Palm Beach. Um, we paid $56,000 for that townhouse. Um, it was already rented for $1,000 a month, very low HOA, in great condition. Uh, so we, we bought it cash, we rented it out. And in the process, I wanted, to, I wanted to find a brokerage or find a firm 
that located these investment style properties uh, so that I can just focus on acquiring, renovating, and, and reselling. So I was on Craigslist. It was now we're fast forwarding into uh, late 2012, early 2013. And um, I'm on Craigslist and I'm, I'm just, you know, searching the web, cheap, cheap properties for sale in South Florida. And the same company kept popping up. And so I figured I'll just take the company's name and plug it in and see what comes up. And, and then I saw a job ad. So I started reading through the job description and it's basically a sales associate position for, for a wholesale company. Um, and I was sold. I was sold. I figured if, if I could get this job, um, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to learn, I'm going to learn this trade a lot faster than just doing it by myself. Um, I'm going to become their top guy and I'm going to start investing at a faster pace. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah, that's awesome, man. So, so I worked on a few things, which are pretty interesting. One is that a, at a very young age, you had kind of that entrepreneurial spirit. You started that uh, kind of side hustle, which turned into something that you actually exited. You got this windfall and then you recognize like, okay, like now that we got this kind of capital, how can we continue to multiply that capital? Now, I guess I'm curious, getting that windfall at a young age, right? Like I'm aware uh, and I'm aware this is a broad generalization, but just in general, that most people who would acquire a windfall at a young age might go out and, you know, like kind of spend it all and think they're the man sort of thing. But that was not what you did. So talk to me about that. Like, how did you kind of resist that temptation? What was it that caused you to say, like, no, like this is uh, there, there'll be a time for that later on. But this is kind of seed capital that we can use to to build greater wealth. It was honestly the best thing that could have happened to me. And I know a lot of people, I know this will raise a lot of eyebrows, but I became a father at a very young age. Um, my first son was born when I was 20 years old. And um, me and my wife, we've always been a great team. And so that, that focus, that, that mental clarity for me kind of settled in at a lot, you know, a, a lot of a younger age than, than it would normally happen. You know, normally people start settling down and they start honing in on what they want to do for the rest of their life in their, in their late 20s, or early 30s for me. When my son was born, it was very simple. You know, I have to provide. I have to. I'm not going to be a deadbeat father. I want to. I want to give this kid everything he can. You know, everything he can have and everything he can dream for. So, um, I missed out on on the parting in my early 20s. I guess you can say, but um, you know, I'm glad I did. Did you know? I got a leg up over everybody else, and and it kind of just catapulted me into a whole other level. Now I'm in my late 20s, and um, I'm I'm starting to build a rental portfolio to retire somewhere in my mid to to late thirties. So, um, it's, I guess a, some would say it's a blessing and a curse for me. I don't see the curse in it. I, I wouldn't advise people to go out there and have kids in their twenties, but having a kid at 20 years old, really for me, just kind of just, you know, raise your focus since day one. Yeah. That's awesome, brother. And it's interesting that you say that because, uh, a similar experience. I got married young when I was 26 and, um, you know, just very focused, right? My wife is 22 and it's just like, look, okay, now we got to provide, we got to, you know, game on sort of thing. So that's awesome. And then the other thing that I'm aware of that I wrote down, which I think is pretty interesting, is you recognize that by aligning yourself with someone who, or, or an organization, which are run by humans, right? People at those organizations where you could learn, where somebody could pour into you kind of knowledge and systems and processes and procedures was a valuable use of your time. And I find that, you know, a lot of folks, they kind of imagine they're like, oh, I'm just going to like, you know, just go out there and do it on my own where 
I know you spent, I mean, I think it was like three or four years, like just acquiring knowledge and acquiring information. So talk to me about that, like that mindset of like, okay, you know, I'm, it's not like I have this huge ego where it's like, gotta be me at first. It's like, okay, well, let me go learn from people who know how to do this at a high level. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think one of the biggest lessons to learn, if you want to be successful in any trade is you need to go find who's the best at that trade and do whatever it is that you need to do to have them mentor you and have them teach you the ropes. Even if, you know, even if you're taking a loss, even if you're driving around, dropping signs. Um, and that's what I did. I found the largest um, real estate wholesale company in Florida. And um, they, were, they were located in Fort Lauderdale. I was living, again, I was living in Wellington. So it was about an hour drive from door to door. Um, and I did that. I did that for four and a half years to be exact. Um, you know, I would there at nine o'clock in the morning, I would leave there at nine o'clock at night. And, um, you know, going there was, I, I call it grad school. I had a ton of fun. I made a ton of money, but most importantly, I learned, I learned this business inside and out. Um, I would say I learned half of this business inside and out. I learned the acquisitions and the dispositions part of it. And then, you know, going on my own, I had to learn how to run the business, how to run PL, how to create systems, how to manage operations, how to manage people, most importantly, which I kind of had a, I had a basic understanding of managing people at AT&T, but uh, managing sales agents is a whole different animal. Um, managing top producers is a whole another animal. So absolutely. So I entered, I entered, um, I went to work for Meridian Trust in March of 2013. Um, at the time they had, I believe they had two sales openings, um, and it was March 15th to be exact. Um, myself and Chris, who's my business partner, were hired exactly the same day. And um, we came to a team of, of five guys. Um, and they were, you know, they were, they were great. Um, they were awesome with us. Um, they, they taught us everything. They would take us on ride-alongs and, you know, teach us you know, this is what, this is what we're looking for when we come out and we inspect these properties. Um, you know, this is how we acquire them. This is how we, how we sell them. This is how we find investors. Um, you know, all the ins and outs, uh, very, very awesome, you know, very awesome guys, very family oriented. It it made it very easy for us to be honest. Uh, And I, I had, I had a lot of support too, you know, from management. I had a lot of support, um, just overall, they were, they were extremely hands-on with the learning, which, you know, made it, made it very quick for us to get up and running. And, um, so we did, we, we, we started selling houses. I want to say five months after we got there, it was, you know, it was, it was rough at the beginning because you're not making any money, but you're looking around and everybody else around you is making, you know, 20, $30,000 a month. And you're like, wait a minute, I know this is real, but why am I not making this money yet? And then you start developing skills in, in sales. And then you start developing skills in acquisitions and you do your first deal, you know, and, and you do your first 10 deals and, um, you know, at the beginning I was doing a lot of grunt work just to kind of learn the business. And, um, a lot of people don't know this, but I used to do rentals, you know, the company had a portfolio of a few hundred rental properties. And I used to go out and, and drop signs and, and try to rent these properties out. And in the process, I was learning these areas. I was learning these neighborhoods. I was learning, you know, what a five bedroom house rents for in this area. And then if you go across town, you know, just a quarter mile away, it's running for $300 less. Why? Well, it's a, you know, it's a different area. Um, 
And that, and that makes it really easy to acquire houses because when you're on the phone with these sellers, you know, you, you almost know the property, you know, the area better than they do. And it makes negotiation, you know, work in your favor. Um, by 2014, I was already one of the top guys in the company. Um, and then by 2015, I was the top agent in the company. And, um, and then, you know, that's when you start doing volume. That's when you go from doing 20, 30 properties a year to doing 100, 120 properties a year. And, um, and then we opened up our territory from just South Florida to all of Florida. And then you start learning markets and areas um, in the West Coast, in Central Florida, Orlando, uh, Jacksonville. And then that really just kind of throws things into a whole other level of perspective. Um, you start building relationships with, you know, what I call power agents like yourself, uh, guys that do a lot of volume, guys that, you know, can provide inventory for you. And you build symbiotic relationships with, with power agents that can feed you deals. And then, you know, you renovate them, give it back to them, let them list it, let everybody make money. And you start learning that, you know, it's, it's really a team sport. And I think that's the biggest thing that I've learned um, is for me personally, my team is my biggest asset. And the more people I know and the more people I network with, um, it makes my bottom line bigger every single year. So I have 10% of a billion than 100% of a million, if that makes any sense. It makes total sense to me, man. So, you know, I wrote down that as you were there uh, at Meridian, you were basically acquiring a few things. One is knowledge of like kind of the process of acquisition and disposition. But then you also were acquiring probably most importantly, market knowledge, right? Where you could know in any geographic area, yeah, property like that, it's gonna sell for somewhere between this and this renovated or property like that, it's gonna rent somewhere within this range. So you know immediately as opportunities present themselves, what you'd be willing to pay and uh, you know what you could get on kind of the other end. And, and that's critical. And, and what I think is very interesting is you shared that it, it was four years. You know, I, I work, as you know, I also coach and train about 60 agents throughout the country, seven of which, uh, earn seven figures. And, you know, it's always interesting to me with those newer agents where, you know, their expectation is, is like immediately, you know, they might see me and you doing hundreds of deals a year and uh, they want to be like, okay, well, I'm going to do that like tomorrow. And it's like, Hey, um, what I'm aware of is what you get rewarded for in public is for what you spend countless hours doing in private, right? It took you four years to acquire enough knowledge and enough information for you to feel confident enough Right. And the Latin derivative, as you know, of confidence is confianza, which means trust. Basically, to trust yourself enough to be like, okay, let's go do this on our own. So that's what I wanted to transition with there, because that's how actually I met you is when you were at Meridian, because uh, as you were kind enough to share, we do business in high volume and we bump into you, right? You guys would make some offers on some deals. We formulated a relationship and uh, that continues to this day. And then there, there came a point, I think it was like 2017-ish, maybe 2018, where you and Chris looked at each other and you were like, hey man, like we have gathered as much information as we possibly can. We know this stuff in and out. Like it's time for us to kind of go see if we can do this on our own, right? And I'm aware that that took a large leap of faith. So talk about that a little bit about when you determined like, okay, let's rock and roll. Let's do this uh, for our own book, so to speak. Absolutely, yeah. So um Chris and I really started working together, uh, I want to say <clears throat> around 2016, that's when we kind of looked at ourselves and said, look, you're the top sales guy. I'm the top acquisitions guy. Let's put some of this money together and do something. 
So we started doing hard money loans and that was awesome. And um, I still do that till this day. But then we started buying properties and renovating them and then reselling them. And we saw what the returns were there. And it was also a different market than it is today. Yeah. It was a market that was appreciating like at 5% per month or something crazy like that. Yeah. So, I mean, you can literally buy the house, close on it, put it back on the MLS and you're making a profit. And um, it was June of 2017 to be exact, where we, we went out, um, we had dinner, I think in May, and we talked about, you know, look, we've reached, we've reached the, the you know, as high as you can get here. Um, it's awesome. You know, I love it. I love coming in. I love, I love the team that I have here, but you know, for ourselves, we, we need to go out and, and make something out of this. And we did. And we left in June of 2017. And from June of 2017 through, um, I want to say December of 2018, what we were doing is we were building crews. We were, you know, networking with handymen and general contractors, uh, really building up that book of business. You know, if you call me right now and say, hey, I need a roofer in Hollywood, I'm giving you five guys. I can vouch for all five. Um, and we started really building a nice big book of business and also, we started starting the we started the the infancy step, I guess you can say, the beginning stages of really systemizing the processes that go into running a flipping company because that's who we were. Um, we started networking with other wholesalers. We 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 maintained our relationships with our power agents like yourselves, and um, we started you know we started I think with we started with four properties. We left in June. We acquired four houses. Uh, between June and I want to say mid-July. So we we had a very fast start. We hit the ground running um, right away. We had the two in Lake Worth. We had one in um, uh, Cooper City. We had a single right. family in Cooper yeah. City. I remember those. Man. We, have, we, we were right there at the embassy, man. We helped you kick that thing off. Yeah, yeah. Right there. It was like we hit the ground running. I think we we, we acquired, I think, two from you within like nine days of, of exiting. Um, we bought another house in Palm Springs as well. And, um, we know we were very hands-on because that's what we did now full-time. And we were there at the property and, you know, picking out different, uh, paint colors and, and, you know, different, um, floorings and, and, you know, experimenting with, you know, what's the threshold between improving and over-improving where it no longer brings an ROI into the property. And that was really the science that we wanted to hone in on is, um, you know, in our business, I think the biggest mistake that new investors make is they over-improve the property, you know, and you have to understand where you are. You have to understand what, where the property is located and what your comparable sales are and what they're calling for. And so that's what we did. That's what we focused on. Um, and that really took off for us. Um, that took off for us. We, we renovated, I think the first year we renovated 22 properties from start to finish from A to Z, uh, got them sold. We were able to make a lot of profit. Um, and then towards the end of 2018, we kind of, we stumbled upon the biggest problem that was holding us back from scaling the flipping company was the fact that we couldn't locate enough inventory to, you know, to feed our appetite. And, um, you know, at that point, it kind of just became inevitable that we have to start our wholesale company, you know, and that's what we're best at. And that's what we do. And that's what we've been doing for the last, you know, four and a half years prior to flipping houses and that kind of just, you know, it was, it was just kind of like the obvious thing, you know, you want to, you have to be in control of your inventory if you want to take your, if you want to scale the flips and you look around the country, you know, some of the biggest, um, 
property flippers, I, I guess you can say throughout the throughout the U.S., they control the the front lines as far as the marketing, the prospecting, the acquisitions straight from the source. Um, and it just makes things a lot easier for us. And that's that's kind of you know what led us to where we are now. Yeah, that's awesome, man. And then that that point you bring up, right, with regards to uh, this kind of merging and and between like the inventory, you have capital that's never a problem, but it's having enough kind of opportunities that you can sift through to determine if it makes sense to deploy that capital, which is the challenge. And you know, we were talking about this off camera prior to uh, kind of. Uh, starting this uh, episode is that we're seeing in both of our spaces that some very large kind of very well-funded technologically advanced uh, competitors are pushing into our space, right? Where let's say there's the client, whether they want to, you know, sell with somebody like me or, you know, perhaps have somebody like you make an offer to them. And then there's uh, us over here, right? These options that they have at their disposal and what's in between is the internet. And uh, some of these platforms that have a lot, a lot of, um, you know, kind of uh, views or a lot of people visiting uh, their sites on a regular basis are creating business models around that. And now they're offering their own products and services to clients, right? With like iBuying, which I'm aware, you know, affects both of us, right? In the sense that they're like, oh, they try to dissuade them away from having listing with an agent because it's more time consuming. We just make an offer, we're done. But I'm also aware that that can affect kind of, you know, on the ground, like you kind of local, um, you know, real estate company that's doing a lot of wholesaling and flipping. So I guess I'm curious as to how you see that like evolving and how you're pivoting to um, address it. Absolutely. Great question. And that's, that's where we are today. Um, You know, and you have to address the elephant in the room anytime you're in business. And for us, that's our elephant is the iBuyers and, you know, the, the funding they have behind them. And, you know, they have some of the smartest people working for them and how they approach, you know, acquiring properties and competing with us. And I know we touched on it before we got the episode kicked off, but, you know, something else that we left off is we're, we're in really strange times today with, with COVID-19 and with what's happening. And, you know, 2020 has been a crazy year to say the least. If you look back to when the shutdowns started in mid-March, the first people to pull out of the market were the iBuyers. Yeah. And we did not. We stayed. We stayed because we don't, we don't, we're lean, right? And what I when I say lean is I'm not a million dollars a month to keep the lights on. Right. So that gives me the ability to be able to weather these storms and, and run through these storms. There's still gonna be clients that need to sell their houses, you know, <clears throat> even through a pandemic. And if you're able to service those people and you're able to capture that business, that speaks volume of your, of, you know, of your, of your business model and, and who you are. Um, and now they're, you know, now they're just starting to, to come back, but let's, let's rewind a little bit. Let's go back to when they're, you know, when they were cranking out deals left and right. I think something that we have to keep in mind is um, till today, those business models are not profitable. So they're just theories in my opinion. Um, not saying that they cannot become profitable, and, and, you know, in some sort of avenue or some sort of, you know, other option, um, but they're not profitable. What they do have is they have unlimited funding and that does disrupt our space. Let's, yeah. not, let's not act like it does it. Um, when it comes to the, so in our business, there's two arenas. There's the, the one-on-one touch where I'm sending you a piece, a, a marketing flyer, a letter, 
maybe a phone call. I'm calling you directly. Um, you know, maybe you saw my sign or my billboard. And then you have the online arena, which is now I'm paying for PPC. I have an SEO team. I'm getting in front of you when you're shopping at Amazon. I'm getting in front of you when, you know, you're checking emails. Um, and that's their arena. That's not my arena. That's their arena. And I know, I know wholesale companies in the space that play in both arenas. But I think something you have to keep in mind is the riches are in the niches. And you need to stay true to what you're strong at. If you're strong in the online arena, do the online arena, make that better. If you're strong at the one-on-one arena, work on that, make that better. Now, we have to address it because if you look back at, you know, some of the biggest companies in the history of our nation, you look at Kodak, for example, and what happened with them and how they missed the boat by not transitioning into digital at the time. And you have to understand that your target clientele is a specific generation, but in Five years from now, that's going to be a whole different generation. And they want to be touched differently. They want to be reached out to differently. And they're going to want to be reached out more digitally, whether that's through SEO or pay-per-click or, you know, uh, different online marketing campaigns. You have to evolve your business. If not, you'll only be catering to a specific audience. And once that audience, you know, I don't want to say dies off, but once that audience no longer owns real estate, um, then what, what are you left with? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's very true. And it's so interesting because as I'm as we're talking about this, I, I wrote down that, you know, one of the things that I've been sharing with a lot of our kind of coaching clients is that there's two worlds that we live in now. Mm-hmm. The first world is the physical world, which is what you were alluding to, kind of that hyper local like touch, like I'm gonna knock on the door, you're gonna get a piece of mail from me, I might call you on the phone, right? Um so the physical world is, you know, the world that we can taste, touch, and smell in. This, the other world is the, the digital world. And increasingly more and more, you know, people are spending more time in that world, right? So just from a business perspective, regardless of whatever business somebody's in, whether in the real estate business, like we are, whether they're a dentist, whether they uh, are a furniture repair guy, like it doesn't really matter. What I'm noticing is, is that um, it's not optional, as you were mentioning, to not have a presence in both. Mm that I have to be intentionally and purposefully and consciously like reverse engineering how I'm making decisions about who gets my money, right? As far as products and services. Because what I know to be true is me and you in the calendar year 2020, if we're going to make a decision about a product or service, we don't pick up the phone first. What we do is we go to this first. Exactly. And then we Google it and then we look at reviews, we look at videos, we look at a website and then we either make a decision like I'm going to do this and I put my credit card in and it's done or I, then I pick up the phone. And then I might ask some questions and that's where that other skill comes in, which is what I wanted to talk to you about. So, so this idea of two worlds, I think that's critical and everybody listening, you know, needs to be aware of that and be making purposeful and intentional steps to build out that landscape for themselves in the digital world, make it easy for people to find you. And also when they do find you managing what they're seeing as far as reviews, as far as websites, as far as videos, things of that nature. The, the one thing I wrote down as you were uh, kind of talking about all this is that, you know, we can have all, we can be in those two worlds, right? And mm-hmm. we can have lead flow and it always comes down to conversion, which really comes down to sales skills, right? So I don't know if people would think, I mean, I, I think they would associate it with, you know, what I do as far as, um, you know, residential resale and stuff, but as far as doing wholesale and flipping that how critically important sales skills are, Oh, right. I mean, so talk a little bit about that, right? 
Yeah, I, I mean, I'll tell you right now, um, when I interview my agents from, you know, we, we talk, you know, hi, how are you? Who are you? And then I'm just throwing things at them, you know, sell me this keyboard, sell me this mouse, sell me this pen. And I just want to see how they react. I want to see how they, you know, how they, can they handle the fire? Can they handle the pressure? Um, it's all sales. It's always been sales. It's sales on my side. It's sales on your side. I mean, I, I think if there's one particular skill that everybody should, you know, really focus and dedicate a year or two, I don't care what you do. Sales skills is, it's the way. I mean, and in our business, as in yours, I'm sure you can say it's, it's very, it's very, very hardcore sales. And I'm not saying boiler room sales because that's not who we are. Um, but if you can't sell a product, if you cannot sell the house to the investor, um, then it's probably overpriced or, you know, you don't know what you're doing. Um, for me, at least with where this market is, I think primarily where the sales skills is required is on the acquisition side, right? Because yes. you have so much competition and they have the option to call a listing agent and have their property listed. They have the option of going on Zillow.com. They have the option of going to Redfin. Why me? What can I provide? And um, it's funny you mentioned this because when we first started the company, you know, the, the motto was value. And we wanted to value pack what we can do for our sellers, you know, um, from the handling of the, of the transaction to, you know, paying the closing costs to making net offers to our sellers, um, to going above and beyond and, you know, sending mobile notary, uh, mobile notaries or mobile couriers to areas or, you know, locations where they don't have access to FedEx drop-off boxes or email addresses. And that kind of gave us a leg up because, you know, not that the other companies weren't doing it, but at the level and, and, you know, to the intensity that we were doing it, it just was unmatched. You know, we were, we were driving to houses at nine o'clock at night on a Saturday to meet with sellers, um, just to show them that we were different. You know, we're not these nine to fivers, you know, punch in, punch out guys. You know, we, we were working on Sundays. Um, we were, you know, um, doing post occupancy agreements, for some of our, some of our clients, you know, they wanted to sell the house, but they needed a few months to stay in the house. That's fine. And, um, you know, that's really the art of what we do is we, we try to custom tailor using our sales skills. We try to custom tailor every deal is different. So we try to, you know, put together, um, a deal that works specifically for that seller where we still remain profitable. Um, and if you don't have sales skills, I, I you just, you know, just, Go back to go back to the drawing board and, and learn how to sell first before you enter this realm. Yeah, and I appreciate that, man, because what I'm aware of is I think in both games, like some people in my game, they think like selling real estate's like HGTV. And I'm like, nah, dude, that's not what this is. And it's then, not like that. <laughs> it's not like that at all. It's not it's not millionaire real estate agent. Like that's not what it is. Um so and then in your game, I feel like some people might imagine, like, oh, this is just like a uh, an intellectual analytical thing where like, I just have to like look at numbers and like make offers. It's like, nah, dude, this is a people business. Like they, you have to deal with people's emotions. You have to deal with their family members who say like, oh, like, you know, you should, you know, I think you should do this instead of this. Like you have to have that soft skill of being able to communicate. It's not just an analytical skill uh, that makes a really successful kind of investor. Right. I think, I think, I think the biggest I think the biggest um, skills in our business to learn in real estate 
Um, I think there's three that go into the acquisitions because in, in all actuality, the, the sales part of our business, you're, you're dealing with investors. They have to buy houses. Yeah. So yeah, there's some sales skills there involved as far as, you know, getting them to pay, you know, 85,000 versus 80,000 because you can increase your margins. Sure. But the real sales skills is on the acquisition side. I think the biggest thing for your audience who's listening to this to take from this um, from this conference that we're doing is you have to be able to understand your seller, understand your client. You know, what is it that they really want from the deal? Um, if they're calling me, it's not price. I'll tell you right now. There's no secret to it. We don't pay the most. We're looking for the houses. We're looking for the ugly ducklings on the block that we can take and you know, put $50,000 into them and resell them. So what is it that I can provide you? What's the trade-off for buying your house at, let's say, 70 cents on the dollar? And sometimes that's being able to close within a week. Sometimes that's being able to take the property with the tenant who hasn't paid rent for six months. Sometimes that's, you know, I I want this to be as hassle-free and stress-free uh, of a deal for me because I have, you know, something personal going on with family. And that's the reason why I'm calling you to begin with, if you catch my drift. And so that's step one. Step two is understanding how to structure that deal so that it works for both sides. And what I mean by that is it must work for your client first. So if you're not making, you know, that twenty, thirty thousand dollars rip that you want to make, that's okay. Wait, structure the deal for your client first. Okay run your numbers and make sure you're turning a profit in your worst case scenario. That's number two. Number three, and I think it's the most important one is close. How to close. And if you can learn those three things in our business, I think everything else is, you know, everything else you'll pick up, whether it's on YouTube, online. um, Those three things are really, those are the three hardest things. In my opinion, I've been doing this for a long time. I'm sure you have as well. And you have your twist of it. And that's what we train on. That's what we really hone in on when we get agents in is we record our our phone calls and we test them. Find the stress points in this call. Perfect. Would you structure a deal? Perfect. How would you close? Yeah, that's 100% accurate. And, you know, that fundamentally like trying to figure out, you know, um, how can I add value? Like, how can I help? You know, because I'm aware that you have a lot of other options to choose from. And my intention provided opportunity is to help you you know, accomplish your goals as quickly and efficiently as possible. So figuring out what is most important for me, I would call that, you know, it's kind of motivation, right? I mean, it's the same thing you probably call it. And then um, really thinking about them first. I mean, obviously this is a business you want to make money at the same time. It's like, how can I structure this deal so that it's a win for them? And then running numbers to make sure like, okay, if it's a win for them, is it still a win for me? And then, you know, putting a contract in front of them and uh, asking them to, to go ahead and proceed if it all makes sense. And then the other thing that I, you know, I really appreciate uh, about you, and that's why our relationship has been as um, kind of long and as uh, mutually fruitful uh, as it's been, is that, you know, you understand that, um, you know, it's okay to leave a little bit of like uh, a little bit on the table, so to speak. Like I, I'm aware that, you know, I've, I've been doing this long enough. I mean, as you know, I've been selling over 100 homes a year for like eight years in a row. And, you know, I've been to some investor things and like this sentiment of like agents and investors can't coexist. And they see us as just like a mechanism to try, you know, we're, we're taken away from their profit. And, and I really don't get that from you at all. You know, you're, uh, you understand that this mutually beneficial relationship and like, you know, we provide you opportunities like, hey man, here's an opportunity for you. 
and um, you make sure that, you know, everybody's a win. So I think that that's great, man. And I'm aware that a lot of um, people on your kind of side of the game don't share that same philosophy. And I don't know why that is. I mean, I think you have to eliminate ego out of the equation, right? I mean, I'm, I'm a licensed broker. I can list my own properties. And I've given you properties to list because I know you can sell them for more money and faster than I can. It's that simple. That's what you do. That's, that's your craft. That's what you're a master at. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. As a matter of fact, I make more in the long run because I'll, I'll net more money and I'll get the property sold faster so I can reinvest those funds a lot faster. Um, and that's, that's a very misconception in my opinion. I think you need a team of our agents. You need a team of contractors. You need a team of handymen. I know investors that look at their handyman and their contractors as they're just trying to rip me off and, you know, charge yeah. up the wazoo for this renovation. And I'm like, well, you know, you're at the end of the day, you're getting what you're paying for. So, you know, I'm not saying that there shouldn't be accountability on that side or, you know, teaming up with agents, but I'm just saying you can build really good relationships with agents and, and they'll feed you deals and you'll feed them listings and contractors that'll feed you distressed properties that maybe they want to go bid on and the seller doesn't know if they want to sell the house or if they want to renovate it. And you feed them projects. Uh, I think teamwork is is really the, it's if you want to scale and you want to do this big and you think you're going to do it by yourself, you're wrong. You need a team and everybody needs to eat at the same table and you'll be fine. Yeah, it's very interesting because um, what I wrote down as you were saying that is that, you know, on your side, people who don't see that, and even on my side too, where people who don't understand that conceptually, they end up capping themselves in terms of how many property, you know, how many deals they can do, right? So if somebody's trying to do everything themselves and trying to pinch every penny and like, you know, trying to keep as much for themselves as possible, they're going to do like maybe 10, 15, 20 foots a year. Like, that's it. Where it's if a, you partner and you allow, uh, you know, other people to, you know, uh, eat, so to speak, then you can scale and do what you do, which is like, you know, a hundred plus uh, deals. And then the other thing I wrote down too, which is critical in terms of like a mindset piece is a lot of people are focused on ROI. Mm-hmm. And what I'm aware of, and I know you know, this is like you, what you're thinking and what I'm thinking is what's our, what's ROT, which what's the return on my time. Exactly. Whereas it's like, yeah, like, like you said, like you have that, uh, you know, you have a broker's license, you could list them and sell them, but you're like, dude, like that's not the highest and best use of my time. The highest and best use of my time is going and finding opportunities, you know, putting those under contract. And, you know, I can just hand this over to Aaron and he can do his thing and it'll sell within a week. And, you know, I'm going to make some money in the long run doing that. Right. Exactly. Absolutely. And that's what it's about. It's, yeah. it's understanding what you're good at. And I love that, man. Yeah. Figuring out what you're good at and delegating the rest. So I guess for you, man, personally, like I know you're, I mean, you're a young man, man. How, how old are you? 29. That's awesome, dude. So I'm 10 years old. I'm 39. I'll be 40 this year. So I guess for you, in your mind, like five, 10 years from now, like where do you see your business? Where do you see yourself? Like, are you trying to grow to like, like a Meridian? Are you trying to, uh, you know, keep it like lean and mean and do like all these deals and, and acquire like, you know, rental properties, cash flow. Like what, what is the kind of game plan for you? Great question. Um, I'll tell you the truth. I mean, I've, I've, I've thought of this. I've talked it over with my wife numerous times, you know, we're at a level now where it's, it's, I don't want to say it's on autopilot, but we have a very good grip on our business. We understand, you know, how to move the levers and, um, the, the true, you know, the, the true goal in all of this and why I wanted to create this wholesale company is to be able to 
um, really siphon off the best deals for ourselves and keep them as rentals. And, you know, we're, we're, we used to do a lot more flips than we do now um, because we've, I don't want to say we've amassed all the capital in the world, but we've, we, we were flipping to amass capital to buy rentals. And that's the natural progression in investing is you start in wholesale, you make money in wholesale, you take that money, you, I guess, turbocharge it by acquiring properties, renovating them and flipping them. Now you make more capital with that capital that you made initially from wholesale. And then ultimately you take that capital and you buy rental properties, um, you know, single family homes, multifamilies, eventually larger multifamilies, and you create passive income, which is what real estate investing really is. A lot of people get confused and they think that wholesale and flipping houses um, is investing and it's not, it's transactional. Investing is passive income. Investing is buying the asset for 70 cents of what it's worth, having that asset appreciate in equity and creating passive income. And that's really where I want to take this. Um, You know, we're now doing... um, you know, 30, 35 files per month, um, which is, it's not the most in the world, but we've really honed in on how to really maximize every single opportunity that comes in through our doors. Um, and when we look at a deal, so I, I, I personally underwrite every single deal that we get under contract. And what I'm trying to figure out is, is this a wholesale property? Are we going to buy it, renovate it and resell it? Or are we going to, this is a rental. Um, and it's like this dial that I move. And, you know, when we first started the company, it was hundred percent wholesale. And, and then it became 90, 10, you know, wholesale was 90, 10% was we were flipping houses and then it became 70, 30. And now we're at a point where the dial is moving more towards wholesale versus rentals. So we want to deploy some of this capital, um, you know, and put it into, you know, strong, not, not only strong yielding properties, but properties that we know for, you know, that are going to appreciate. So, I'm not trying to invest my money in areas that I know won't appreciate. You know, there's areas, you know, as you're aware of that, you know, the houses today that are selling for 120 were selling for 125 or six years ago. And that's also not investing. Um, so that's, for me, that's the next step. I'm not, I'm not trying to, you know, build a company that does a thousand wholesale deals a, a month. Um, that's not my, my style, my taste. I'm now trying to build a portfolio of rental properties, solid rental properties. And then eventually I want to enter the commercial realm and, you know, get into larger multifamilies, you know, 20, 30 doors, 40 doors plus, um, and maybe some mixed use stuff as well. Yeah. Makes total sense to me. And I appreciate the distinction uh, between investing and uh, wholesaling or flipping because they are just two different things. And um, I wrote down two things. So I'll comment on that, but then I wrote this down. Like, so for those people that are listening, um, it's really just about finding a vehicle, whatever that vehicle is for you, where you can amass enough cash. And then the goal is to convert that cash into cash flow, right? To buy assets that pay you money over time. And what I hear you saying, Adrian, is that you use the vehicle of wholesaling and flipping to amass enough cash. And then as time progressed, began to deploy that capital for the acquisition of cash flow. And then the other thing is I read a book, um, which I think anybody who wants to deploy capital in any form or fashion uh, should read. It's called What I Learned Losing a Million Dollars. And this guy, he lost like a million bucks in the span of like four months, like in the 80s, right? He was a commodities trader. Mm-hmm. And uh he said he, you know, there's a myriad ways to earn money, but there's only a handful of ways to lose it. And most of them are psychological. So if you can figure them out, you can avoid them, right? 
But one of the main takeaways that I took from that book is uh, not to confuse luck with skill. And I find that a lot of people, particularly investor types, they confuse luck with skill. They find themselves in a radically uptrending market and they think they're like a genius. And it's like, not oh, yeah. that's not what's happening. The, the, the second thing, which I found fascinating, was he said most people get in trouble because they don't understand what words mean. So, so, and he gave an example where he said like investing, the definition of investing is deploying capital with the intention, number one, of the preservation of that capital. Mm-hmm. And then that you're going to get it back over an extended period of time in the form of rents, dividends, or royalties, right? So by its nature, that's a long-term thing. And what I'm aware of is a lot of the people that I speak to, I'm sure a lot of people you speak to, they throw that word around like this is an investment or I'm investing. It's like, nope, that's not what that is by definition, right? Uh, And then he talked about speculating, which comes from the uh, Latin word spectare, which means to be able to see, like to see in the future. And that's the only gain that I'm getting is on kind of the appreciation, right? By adding value or something of that nature. And then there's betting. And betting is about being right. That's about placing a wager on something and betting that, you know, a particular outcome is going to happen. And then there's trading where you trade like the spread sort of thing, the bid and the ask. And then there's gambling and gambling, which is interesting. It's a cousin of betting. But what's interesting about gambling is it's not actually by definition. You're not trying to actually gain anything. It's actually about entertainment. And, and what you're kind of paying for uh, the entertainment is whatever the bet is, right? Whatever the amount that you're gambling. So by understanding those definitions, which I know you clearly have that understanding in your head, it can prevent you from making a lot of poor choices, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, and before you do start investing, one thing that I would say is, you know, pay it forward, learn your trade, um, you know, get mentorship. You know, I think what you're doing is is phenomenal. And, you know, if this was around even 15 years ago, I think the industry would be completely different. Um, I think mentorship is one of the best investments you can make. Hands down, it pays itself a hundred times over. Um, it doesn't matter what you're trying to get into um, because it will mitigate a lot of those mistakes and you'll be able to do due diligence the correct way when you're deciding how to deploy capital. And I think that's a big piece that people miss. It's huge, man. And, you know, it's interesting. I tell people all the time, like we, we say culturally, it's perfectly okay to go to like uh, a four-year university, come out with $150,000 in debt and get a job making 40 or 50,000 bucks a year and go back to living with your parents. We call that normal. Right. But if you connect with like a mentor or like a coach or a trainer or somebody who could condense decades worth of learning into days, oh, yeah. months or a few years, you earn along the way. And people look at what you have to pay them to do that. They're like, oh, that's silly. That's crazy. It's like, really? Which one's crazy? (laughs) That's insane to me. Like, that's insane to me. Like, why wouldn't you go pay, you know, and and do a millionaire's grunt work who does what you want to do? Why why not? I mean, who who better else can teach you that? A professor who's making, what, $30,000 a year and how to run a business? Exactly, brother. Well, listen, man, this has been awesome. I really appreciate you taking the time. I think people are going to get tremendous value from it. So I hope so. Absolutely. Hell yeah. So if people if people want to connect with you, where can they find you? Absolutely. I'm on Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on all the big social media sites, except I don't have a personal Facebook. Um, I have a company Facebook. So at Palladium Investments, um, you can find us on Twitter. We're on LinkedIn, Instagram. Um, Palladium has the Facebook page. Um, I'm in Boca. My doors are always open. 
Um, I have people that reach out to us all the time. They want to come in. They want to learn about wholesale. They want to learn about investing in real estate. Um, I'm an open book, man. I really am because you never know who you're going to run into. You never know what that person can provide for you in the future. So I'm a firm believer in that. Always been. Um, I'm here. I'm in South Florida. So Perfect, brother. Awesome. And he's an awesome dude. Check him out. And uh, I appreciate you, man. Look forward to uh, continuing our relationship moving forward. Absolutely, Aaron. A pleasure to be here, man. Great, brother. Be great. Take care, bud. Thank you so much for listening to the Aaron Novello podcast. Be sure to subscribe and follow Aaron on Instagram at Aaron Novello. Happy hunting.